0: is presented in part by Bridgestone. We're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. This is Popular Technology Radio. Your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Now, here's your host.
1: Hey, welcome everyone to this edition of Popular Technology Radio. I happen to be Mike Etchart. I also happen to be sitting in Las Vegas as I'm recording this show. It's CES 2019, the Consumer Electronics Show. Unfortunately, you cannot get in if you are a member of the general public. It is a trade-only event, which is why we are here talking about some, not all, because it's just... Packed the gills with people in different companies, but we're certainly going to cover the high stuff, the fun stuff of what we're seeing here. Joining me on the show is a, a longtime partner of mine. He has been kind enough to join me on so many radio shows in the past. He is with the Wirecutter.com. He also has a wonderful website, SoundStageSolo.com. To say the least of being an accomplished upright bass player, he is Brent Butterworth. Brent, Thanks. how are you? Thanks. I'm I'm great. Thanks for having me on yeah, again. My really pleasure. You, you joined me on episode two, and now you're going to be on episode three, because... As as is is the case here in, at CES, you, there's just so much stuff here. It, it's you can't do you can do 30 shows and not scratch the surface. So yeah, well, and it's and it's become it's it's become so
2: there's so many specialized areas. I mean, we're we're sitting right next to a bunch of robotic stuff that I
1: the drones, have slight, and drones. I don't have the slightest comprehension of this stuff. And it, it, it is stunning. We've had some of the people on for that. It it's, oh, cool. it is amazing. But we're going to continue. We've been, you know, you you are certainly our audio guy amongst other things. But uh, you know, we talked about. Headphones in, in our last episode, and one of the things I wanted to chat with you about because it's sometimes counterintuitive, but I think what makes a great uh, viewing experience in the, in the living room in the home entertainment system on your television is good audio oh there's no question about yes. it they
2: say audio is Oh, for some high percentage of, you know, the content of a movie or TV show, what your brain actually decodes as audio or something. I
1: don't know. but Maybe it's 100%. But the problem is... I don't know. Somewhere (laughs) somewhere in there. Somewhere in the middle. But a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. I'm just saying. Uh, But, you know, one of the things I've I've certainly noticed as I'm walking around is, again, the proliferation of the soundbar and the importance of a sound bar Because, my gosh, as TVs get thinner and thinner and thinner, You're talking about physics. You can only have so much good sound coming out of crappy little speakers. In fact, you you come out almost none. Yeah, if you got
2: a one-inch TV, well, show me a good one-inch speaker. That's right, thickness, yeah. And that's one inch with the screen, so you got maybe, I don't know, half an inch left for the the speaker. Right, yes. It gets pretty bad. So you, the idea has always been that you add these sound bars, yes, and they, you know, uh, if they're designed right, ideally they work sort of like they're part of the TV. You know, they maybe come on when the TV comes on automatically, and go off, and uh, and they give you some reasonable facsimile, you hope, of a you know surround sound home theater experience.
1: Right, and so. Um They are incredibly important if you care about audio, and even if you don't care. And this is one of the things that when I talk to just kind of, you know, coworkers, family, people, it's like... Get a soundbar. Trust me, it will make an enormous difference. And I'm always stunned how people don't pay it, don't notice how crappy yeah. the sound is at their well, TV. And,
2: and the, that's one of the great things about it is you don't have, you don't have to do it to get big surround effects no, or no, loud no. or bass. Or I mean, you can. But a big advantage of it is that voices are a lot clearer. Yes. Through a good soundbar, far far clearer. Yes. And so everyone can hear it better. And you know, of course, in this age where you know we're getting older and <laughs> stuff like that, speak
1: for yourself, right? It
2: becomes more and more important. So that to me, is probably the most exciting part of the sound you can put that there. And then you get good sound for, you know, five or six people can listen to it. It sounds good, and they can understand the the dialogue. And it's just so much better of an experience, whereas through a TV, it's not going to play that loud, it's not going to be very clear. I'm not going to say every
1: TV's bad, but I can't name one that's good. No, so. most most aren't. So, but to that, just like, in fact, it kind of came out about the same, you know, we, we talked in the last episode about the, the proliferation of headphones at this mm-hmm. show, and that, you know, to our mind was seven, eight years ago, and that to me is kind of when soundbars really kind of started hitting big time, or, or maybe they were before that, but it, it, they were certainly weren't a, a, big, a I, big. I, I remember, a when, I remember when really was it? well
2: when they. First, well, because there were a few of them out on the market and um, they were really horrible. Okay. And then an audio company, an, an, an ODM, you know, a company that designs audio products and then make, or actually OEM in this case, you know, designs products and then, and then brings them to other companies to sell under their name. Yeah. They brought me the sound bar and I was kind of like, yeah, sound suck. But they brought me this, so I was like, Ooh, Ooh, this thing's actually good. And it was eight years ago. Okay, eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that was the beginning of good soundbars. Ended up being sold under the Vizio brand. It was Vizio's first soundbar. I remember that. So we're at a good place, Mm technology-wise. There's a lot of good ones out there. In fact, and a lot of them aren't that expensive. I mean, I hate to be, you know, promoting Vizio so
2: heavily, but they've got crazily cheap ones out there yeah. for you know a couple hundred dollars mm-hmm. and you get a subwoofer and a sound bar and, and you know they all have Bluetooth now mm-hmm. and a lot of them have HDMI so you hook it straight up to the TV and it works just like it's part of the TV
0: Yeah.
1: and now they have the new ones with Atmos you know the Dolby Height oh, channel yes. technology this is kind of the latest technology in immersive sound or surround sound of yeah. like what you want to call it so to get it to work awesomely yes. you have to have ceiling speakers
2: Yes, which you don't so I do, but, you know. yeah, but most don't. <laughs> but these sound bars have speakers in them that point up, firing up, and so they kind of bounce sound off of the ceiling. Mm-hmm. That's the intent anyway, sure so that you will get the effect of a bigger you know overhead sound. and then they have the Vizio ones and the Samsung as well, which Samsung was first. They have speakers in the back that have up-firing
1: drivers and surround speakers as well. All right. So then you start to get a really good Okay, Hold that thought because we've got to take a quick break. We are listening to Pop Tech Radio, our CES continuing coverage, CES 2019 from Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll be right back. Hey, we are back, Pop Tech Radio CES 2019. Me, Mike Etchard, here with the Uber Groovy dude, Brent Butterworth, he of thewirecutter.com and also soundstage solo.com. Jazz Times, if you didn't catch him on those other two places. We're talking sound bars, upfiring sound bars, Atmos Soundbars. They're here. Are they good? They are so
2: far, I gotta say, I've tried three in okay. my home, and what I loved about them is you get some of that overhead effect, you get some kind of simulation of mm-hmm. it, you know. But the great thing is, these little things, those upfiring speakers, just make it sound like a big, huge system, and that's what I love about it. So you have this little tiny sound bar. Yeah, you know, Vizio has like a 36-inch one, right? So it's yeah. a little sound bar and a little subwoofer. And it has two little surround speakers that plug into the subwoofer. So okay. that's all you do. You plug these two speakers in. You plop the sound bar down. You turn it all on. Plug in one cable to your TV. And
1: by the way, those two speakers you're plugging into the, to the subwoofer, they're, they're not directional? They don't need to be? No, they're in the back. They're in the so back. So they're behind okay, you. They are so the be... subwoofer has to go behind you, too. Uh, so it's, it's more than a soundbar. It's, it's, right. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. So you plug this thing in, and it sounds like a... You know, like those... like a Like a... 5.1 system With you know Five sure. little speakers In a subwoofer uh-huh. Like a good and, and you know Like an AV receiver Like a home theater system Like a
1: small home theater system Of you know, ten years ago, or something, which, which you or, would have to have a, have a separate Except, receiver right. and, and multiple speakers, so they're able to get a, a much more self-contained unit. Yeah. that is getting, and, and they
2: get a very similar sort of sound out of okay. it from this self-contained unit that costs, in this case, five hundred bucks. Wow, very and reasonable. I just found out at the show that they're coming out now. That one just has the upfiring speakers and the sound bar frankly it doesn't really give you the overhead effect because you can kind of hear the sound coming from the soundbar, mm-hmm. but it still sounds a lot more spacious and it sounds kind of awesome and loud and powerful and clear and really like like the voices
1: are really clear it doesn't sound like a cheap little piece of junk okay so that, that, that the one you're talking about doesn't have the, the two uh, two speakers you put in the back it, it it's, has it, the speakers but the speakers don't have the
2: up part now for 50 bucks extra, they sure. have a model with the... Up. They just showed it at the show with up-firing speakers. And that's the one to get because it's okay. a giant upgrade in sound and that's quality a Vizio. for 50 bucks. Yeah.
1: Oh, my goodness. So, you're, lo- you're looking at five, $550. Five, five 50.
2: And you can plug this thing in and any member of the family can operate it because it works just like it's part of your TV. Wow. And, and it sounds really good and it sounds really enveloping and you feel like you're part of the movie and it's just awesome. And so, I got to... You know, I got a full surround sound system that I yeah. frankly don't use all that much because, you know, every time I, I want to listen to something, I have to, I have to hook it all up. Yeah. Because my room gets torn apart like once a week. Well, yeah. So with you're, these you're sound bars, I'm thinking like I might just make myself a little media room somewhere where I could actually like watch TV when I want. Yeah. that stays set up that's not part of your work. Yeah. Role. And yeah. I can get one of these soundbars and it's like a, a really great experience. And I should say there's also an interesting soundbar over in the Sennheiser booth of all places. Okay. And of course Sennheiser makes excellent headphones, headphones and microphones. And microphones. Um, You're using a I'm Sennheiser, a Sennheiser yeah. mic right now. Yeah. And um, so they had, weirdly enough they got into the soundbar business. I don't know why. This thing's pretty big. It's probably about Six inches deep, mm-hmm. which for a soundbar is a lot. Yeah. It's probably about six inches high. Okay, it's about three and a half feet long. All right. So Not it's pretty chunky. It weigh It costs twenty-five hundred bucks. Not
1: insignificant. Very. That's expensive. But it
2: doesn't need a subwoofer. It's got six woofers in the front. Wow. And um, it really sounded good. Like you should go check out their demo. It I really will. Has a big enveloping effect, and it works with DTS. X and Dolby Atmos, and, a, and I just found out today, there's a new overhead speaker format called MPEG-H. Oh, no. Because that's just what we needed to speed the adoption of, of immersive sound is another format. Because, you know, people always love it when there's more formats <laughs> to
1: choose from. Let's talk about that, because I had okay. a conversation with a mutual <laughs> friend of ours the other just, just this morning about that very thing so we're talking with brent butterworth we're at ces 2019 we happen to be talking about audio at the moment and sound bars more to come when we come back it's popular technology radio
4: oh, Lord, yeah.
3: on the track even one hundredth of a second decides who wins and who loses That's why Bridgestone uses advanced racing technology to create their fastest street legal replacement tire yet. The new Bridgestone Potenza RE71R. Engineered with an innovative hydro evacuation surface and unique tread compounds, the new Potenza RE71R is designed to give you maximum grip and ultimate cornering on or off the track. Bridgestone is changing the game in tire performance.
0: back to Pop Tech Radio. Now, here's
1: your host. Hey, welcome back, everyone. It is Popular Technology Radio. Mike Etchart from Las Vegas. The Consumer Electronics Show 2019 is where we are. This is part of our continuing coverage. This is Episode 3, Brent Butterworth from The Wirecutter and from SoundstageSolo.com is joining me because we were talking about soundbars in the last segment, and then we got to talking about formats. Mm -hmm. Formats, competing formats, in this case the, for lack of a better phrase, the immersive sound, the immersive technology, which is kind of the next generation of surround sounds. Mm-hmm. Some people, most people are familiar with surround sound. And we already have, We well, until you just told me this, we had two competing formats, didn't we? We had uh, yeah. DTS. Well, really,
2: really three. There's one called Oro 3D, which is apparently somewhat better known in Europe than here. Okay. And there's processors you can buy that have it. I don't
1: know that there's any content available. I guess there's probably some, but... The biggies here in the States are DTS and Dolby. And right. They, they continued. They were always competing against each other. And When you buy a, a movie, typically it has both. Maybe in the beginning it'll have one or the other. Yeah. And you can get, you know, look, almost everything, that's what happens now. There used to be this big
2: war between DTS and Dolby. And that still exists to some extent. But now, usually DTS copies Dolby in short order. But now you're saying (laughs) this. That's Brent Butterworth saying that. Okay, So sue me. But it's all in the digital signal processing. So for the manufacturers, it's no big deal. So your Sonys and your Ankyos and people like that can dump it all into whatever product. And so they can have it all in there at not much cost to them. And and whatever is on your disk that you buy or in your thing that you stream off of netflix fine it works and it's no big problem but now as of i don't know this as of today but the first i've heard of it today is fraunhofer labs you know the german Mm. lab that is mp3 yeah mp3 they're the licensor for mpeg3 they're one of the licensing pool for aac i mean Mm -hmm. they're a big deal so now they have their own format they have mpeg h and the h is for height because people were clamoring for were a clamoring third option. People were for a third option. Or 4th and look at it. So I'm sure maybe they'll get more uptake in Europe. But, I mean, look, Dolby DTS-X, it was supposed to end up having some technical advantages that it didn't really end up having. Mm-hmm. So now they're basically fundamentally the same. And I'm sure that this will be fundamentally the same because you know what? They all work fine. They all work great. They, they deliver great. a dazzling right. experience. And now that you have these sound bars, so people can go add this and install it in in 10 minutes and it costs them 500 or 1,000 or 1,500 bucks and it works and it works like part of your TV, then it, there's a real possibility for adoption of all this stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. if you keep
1: piling on formats, people are going to be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to go buy a motorcycle instead. <laughs> That's right. Well, and you know, it's not like history hasn't shown us this in the past, you know, this going all the way back to VHS versus beta. Yeah, that was if you're,
2: if you're I, old enough I, to remember that I, I was still I was a little bit of a part of that. I got into this in 1989. It wasn't so much VHS versus Beta. Beta was dying, but there was VHS C versus eight mm on camcorders. Uh, okay. That's right. Camcorders, and uh, S uh, SVHS versus ED Beta, uh-huh. which is the fancy version of Beta. And Beta was great. Beta was great. And, but they uh, lost. <laughs> but they lost. Then we got into Dolby Digital versus DTS. Right. And then we got into uh, DVD. There were going to be. DVD, was, there was almost a format
1: war with DVD, but Sony and Toshiba made up. That's and right. They did for DVD. Right. But then when we got to DVD uh, audio, DVD. Well, okay, DVD audio and, uh, and, and, SACD, and SACD, Both of which failed. For audio and the both of which failed. And then we had. Then we moved into Blu-ray versus HD DVD. HD DVD. DVD. Yeah. So Toshiba had their own format and Sony had
2: sure. their own format, and uh, essentially.
1: And consumers and, uh, hate that, by the way. Consumers hate it because it's stupid. It's stupid. And yet, well, and, and I got to say, I, as much of a fan I am of Sony, Sony oftentimes is a participant in, in one of these activities of format wars.
2: True, works. but, you know, I got to say, I'll slide with Sony on two of those three. In terms of them being better. DVD, basically, they had a bigger patent pool than Toshiba. As I understand it from brilliant people who were right there, they forced Toshiba's hand into you know standardizing dvd with sacd and dvd audio n- no because okay, um, yeah. now granted i worked for dolby at the time and i was promoting dvd audio yeah. Th- that technology was way better way better
1: way better than sacd than sacd
2: okay. which as you know as an audio professional you know you can't edit sacd right right right, right you know right. it's really just a
1: silly format
2: so but then with with HD DVD and blu-ray blu-ray was obviously the better format right but, but HD
1: DVD was hanging around.
2: But it hung around for a couple years, yeah. and they finally pulled the plug. That was a clear case of people. There was no argument. No one was. No one was saying HD DVD was better. But no. Ultimately,
1: all of these format wars are over royalties, right? And patents. It's
2: all royalty. over money. It's, it's all not, over money. They're not trying to deliver a better experience no. to the consumer. They're trying to make more money. Yeah. Weird. Which you know, granted. But I think that you have to keep the consumer in mind with this stuff. You can't just be throwing stuff out there and and hoping people will buy into it. And sometimes people say,
1: I don't want either then. Like in the case of 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 high-resolution audio, or at the time, which was DVD, audio, and SACD, the consumer said, neither. And so everybody goes home, and nobody's a winner. And so... I, I don't know what the answer is, but it, it is. It, it seems like uh, you know the old line about if you don't if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. It exactly. seems like people f- have very short memories when it yeah. comes to formats.
2: The good thing now is that since everything's happening in a DSP chip and everything is streamed yeah. now, and you know hard disks are going away, yeah, you don't have to worry about disk incompatibilities. Sure. So you can pretty easily take something that's that's streaming and make your thingamajig compatible with it. So even if in the highly unlikely event MPEG-H becomes a big deal, whoever, Vizio and Samsung and people like that, can change their soundbars to accommodate. And and Sennheiser
1: already has it. right? Has it in their new soundbar. And on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We are Pop Tech Radio, and this is CES 2019 from Vegas. We'll be right back.
3: my dad is a proud doer always building repairing or maintaining something he relies on craftsman tools and i do the same today craftsman mechanics tools metal storage and lighting are available from your favorite retailers but that's only the beginning a full line of retooled and refined products are on the way find your favorite store at craftsman.com and stay tuned for more big news from this trusted american brand
0: this is popular technology radio this show is presented in part by bridgestone we're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. Now, here's your
1: host. Welcome back, everyone. Pop Tech Radio. Brent Butterworth is already cracking up, and we haven't even having started this segment. <laughs> he's cracking up because he's having so much fun. He's only at his 30th CES in a row. for let yeah. 30, Let's make it 30 more. There you go. Oy. God. Um. Uh, we're, in, we're in Las Vegas, by the way. It's, it's Consumer Electronics Show 2019. And you know what's interesting, Brent, is there's a lot of content creators here at CES. Back in the day, let's say, let's go back 20 years ago, mm-hmm. when I was working in the entertainment business and I said I'm going to the Consumer Electronics Show, everybody would say, why? Oh. Well, because the technology sometimes drives content and vice versa and yeah. all that stuff. And so, but now many of the movie companies are here. All this stuff is happening here. And it's interesting. I've been told that 2019 is going to be the year of big media shakeups. Now, you and I both know, because we're, we're very mm-hmm. involved in music and things like that, that content is king. Whoever owns the yeah. content controls their own destiny. And are you a Netflix subscriber? I am not, but I have
2: been. I kind of go back and
1: forth. Because oh, I get busy in my life, oh, and yeah, I don't have time yeah. to fool with it. All right. But you've enjoyed Netflix over the years. I have enjoyed Netflix over the years, yeah. Probably the, obviously the preeminent streaming movie slash, and now they're creating oh, no their question. Yeah, they're creating their own content. Well, what's going to be happening this year, of course, is Some of the content companies that own that content that Netflix licenses are going to roll their own, as they say. We're looking at, I think, sometime in early 2019, uh, a service from Disney is coming out called Disney+. Plus. Mm -hmm. Of course, Netflix licenses a lot of kids' content from Disney. So suddenly consumers are going to have this option of... Well, now there's a lot of competition for Netflix. There isn't really a ton of competition for Netflix. Not really. Line. No, I mean Amazon. But Amazon, but that you know, Amazon, but that's kind of apples and oranges. Content for Amazon is a uh, it, it's a it's a value add. For, it's kind
2: of a freebie. It's if you're already a Prime subscriber. That's anyway. right.
1: That's right. It's a value add for their Prime subscription. Yeah. So while they do compete in terms of content and things like that, it, it, it's kind of different. But I think this year we're going to see a lot more competition. That's right, and Disney owns Marvel. So, so of course, the Marvel movies are gigantic. So, we've got Disney Plus coming out. There are rumors afloat that Apple is gonna also be offering some sort of a streaming service. What that is, who knows. Mm -hmm. Another rumor that, of course, now that AT&T owns Warner, Time Warner, all that stuff, that they are gonna maybe start rolling out their own streaming service. So, by the end of 2019, if you're Netflix, it might be getting a little hot in the kitchen.
2: See, this just goes to show you, they always figure out a way to make you pay more money. That's right. Okay. Whoever they are. And basically what's happened is everyone's figured out a way to get rid of their $120 a month cable <laughs> bill. And now you'll basically be, be paying $10 a month to 12 different
1: companies. That's right. While technology is fantastic, 2019 is going to be the year of a big media shakeups. I mean Netflix has kind of had the sandbox to themselves for the most part. totally yeah almost entirely almost entirely yeah Yeah. but and and now it's gonna be you know not only are they gonna face competition but they're gonna you know eventually potentially be looking at a lot less content wanting to be licensed to them from what are now their competitors in the streaming space yeah good news for content creators absolutely Absolutely. If you, you know, we both you and I are based in Southern California and right now there are there are just not enough sound stages to create all the movies and television that is being developed in yeah. in our town. And it's the busiest time in the history of the entertainment business. I didn't know that. Oh absolutely. You talk to any of the studios, they are working round the clock because you've got all these, you know, you always had the well in, in the original movie business you had the movie companies and mm-hmm. then you got television companies and they were clients they were creating content and now you've got all these other clients that want content and so it is stunning how much work there is in in our neighborhood, basically. it's, it's That's amazing. amazing, especially
2: it is, when you consider that in the music industry, you know, hardly anybody makes any money anymore.
1: Not true. The music business Who? is uh, the, not me. The, well, the musicians <laughs> are lot of money. content owners are making a lot of money because of of the streaming, the subscription services. So suddenly, they are rolling in the cash because companies like, Spotify. Spotify.
2: thank you. But Spotify pays you like a like a zillionth Sp- of a penny It pays
1: you, for but, but they pay, you know, a big chunk of that of that $10 they mm-hmm. pay to the Universal Music Group. So three bucks comes, let's say, of, of that $10 subscription goes to the Universal Music yeah. Group. So the, the major music companies are making a lot of money from these subscription services. And, you know, I mean we're seeing media, in fact, I just signed up for a for a a, a package. You know what they call skinny bundles that's over internet so it's television Mm -hmm. over internet you have to have a fast internet connection but companies like sling and spectrum my company at home who i have my internet with they have a fairly true a la carte service where you get all the free channels Mm -hmm. plus you choose 10 premium channels you choose which 10 you want and that's 24 bucks a month that's a pretty good deal it's a pretty good deal The cable company's been fighting for years saying we're never going to have a la carte programming because that's really what people want. That's what I want. That's what you want. I want to choose the 13 stations or whatever it is that I want. I don't care about... The other stations, and yet you're forced to buy those in a cable package. So we're yeah. seeing that breakdown. We're going to see all this competition now for Netflix this year, the year of media, which I'm now coining. But like you said, the the challenge is going to be, are we replacing our $120 cable bill with $120 in skinny bundles and streaming services from the various people? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a real savings for us as consumers? I don't it, know the you answer. No,
2: right? it just—that's the whole thing—is just it never ends up being a savings for us. It doesn't. I—I I, I shouldn't say that. Streaming music is a colossal, unbelievable savings for us. <laughs> that's true. Well, because you pay ten bucks and you get everything you ever wanted to listen to, everything you've ever recorded on. And it's just—it's to me—it's just the most mind-blowing thing ever. I mean, just this morning, I went and listened to a. Rush 40th anniversary concert in at the Hammersmith Odeon which I'd never heard before and granted I probably wouldn't have bought the record but hey man it's right there and I was like oh I'll listen to that for a little bit you know my Bluetooth speaker in my hotel room and when I go on my drive home I'll download some music from Spotify and I've investigated so many back catalogs I never listened mm-hmm. to before. I just did a road trip, I listened to the
1: entire Beatles catalog front to back. No! Alright, hold that note, because we gotta take okay. a commercial break. You, Mr. I don't like the Beatles. Okay, this this is this is worthy of another okay. segment. <laughs> We're coming right back from CES 2019, it's Pop Tech Radio. Hey, welcome back everyone, Popular Technology Radio. Mike Etchard at Las Vegas Convention Center for the Consumer Electronics Show 2019. Speaking with Brent Butterworth from thewirecutter.com. Also from Soundstage Solo, yeah. yeah, a great website for headphones and things like that. Of course, you can find him in Jazz Times. And the reason, though, that I'm, I'm just tripping over my words is because at the end of the last segment, Brent said that he just basically through Spotify, he has a subscription through Spotify, and he just listened to the entire Beatles catalog. Now, if you're listening in, you're thinking, well, who doesn't listen to the entire Beatles catalog? Well, but the backstory is when Brett and I used to work together on Sound and Vision Radio. We famously had a little sparring thing about my love for the Beatles and his seemingly dislike, Dis, disdain, of, disdain yeah. for the Beatles. And how how does anybody have disdain for the Beatles? So when Brett mentioned in the last segment that he just listened to the entire catalog of the Beatles I was speechless
2: yeah front to back I drove up to the Pacific Northwest and yeah, I just listened to the Beatles nonstop, and because I, I just thought oh I can do this and the only Beatles album I'd ever heard
1: was Abbey Road wait a second <laughs> So you, you basically made a judgment on not liking the Beatles after only listening to one Beatles album? Well, I've heard a couple of their other hits.
2: <laughs> they only have a couple, so all right. You know, so you can pretty much be an expert on the Beatles without ever having heard one of their records. I suppose. Okay, but so
1: so continue on. I, I wanted to
2: hear, as a musician, you know, I'm, I write my own tunes and things like that and all that. So I kind of wanted to hear, it was like a little creative exercise. I wanted to hear what their growth was. And because of Spotify, it was. I just downloaded yeah. all those records because I was on a long car trip, I could listen nonstop to them, I could hear their evolution and how yeah. they grew and where they maybe got off track for a while, I would argue, <laughs> and then and then got maybe started to get back on track. I would just argue, just for the sake of, you know, whatever, that they were because also, see a friend of mine who's a really great sax player in LA, a guy named Terry Landry, lifelong professional sax player and insightful musician, told me, you know, the Beatles were great at the beginning, but then they, then they really got terrible. And they started coming in with like snippets of songs, and George Martin had to turn it into music. I'm kind of like, huh? It's the first time I've ever heard anybody say that. Yeah. But you know his opinions are always worth investigating. Sure. That's part of what made me want to do it, too. Okay. Right. And, and you can, because you have Spotify. Yeah. And in some ways, I agree with him, I, I found. Because certainly for, I would argue... Just my opinion. But Sgt. Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour got way off track with all the corny orchestration with like London studio players, you know, French horn dudes and stuff. And it's like, what the hell is this? This is not rock. It's not even pop. It's sort of, as John uh, famously said, granny music. But you could hear with the White Album and Abbey Road and Let It Be, Mm -hmm. they got back into being a band. Yes. And that's, you know, I think. Honestly, bands are usually more interesting than the alternative. Oh, interesting. All
1: right. Well, I'm just stunned that you listen to the everything.
2: And I've, I've been listening to Revolver and Rubber Soul. The great records. Um, those are my favorites. Yes,
1: as they should be. They're fantastic. Now, I love Sgt. Pepper as well. And, and you know, at the risk of, of handing over the station and, and this... <laughs> On <laughs> the show to a couple of people pontificating about the Beatles, they followed their muse. It was a time and a place. And, they, and you know, who else? Nobody else did that
2: before. No they were the first that. ones to do that. Absolutely. And to hear their growth as musicians yeah. and as, and the, the imagination and the places they went with, you know, frankly, for the most part, not stupendous musical knowledge or but massive a, an, chops or anything like that. But an incredible, that.
1: innate, natural right. musical and, and, sense. Right, and
2: they had a lot of experience. And yes. they listened to, they clearly listened to a lot of music. Yes. And they took it all in, and they kind of did their own... Because they did so many styles, and it it, it, it still all sounded like the Beatles.
1: Well, and they they had no... um, Nobody was muzzling them. You know, they got to just do it all. And it all sold. So, ultimately, that's what mattered. And... and God bless them. They had they had the opportunity to do what to just follow their music, to do whatever yeah, they and, wanted. And they
2: were lucky enough to have three guys that could write songs. That's right. Absolutely. And four guys who could sing. Yes, exactly. And then and, and
1: then and then a fifth guy who was a master, also orchestrator and a, yeah. a producer and and then Billy Preston, and then Billy Preston—that was kind of May cool he too. So you know,
2: they—they—they they had a, so much going for them, and you can't—it's hard to name another band that really even comes close to that. Yes.
1: Well, this is fascinating. So yeah. did I do a turnaround on this? Yeah, I think you have. Sorry. I didn't. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be obvious about it. Let's talk about the Eagles. (laughs) I know we have to do that. But let's talk about Spotify, because as you said, the beauty of these subscription music services, and Mm -hmm. Spotify is, is it eight bucks a month? I can't remember how much it is. It's ten. It's ten, it's nine ninety nine a month, which it's such a value. Like you said, it's an amazing experience to have basically the keys to all music ever recorded essentially I mean I, I you know the funny thing for me is as a Jazz
2: Times contributor yeah. you know I get and I do their I do their articles about audio mm-hmm. and a couple other little things here and there but mostly just audio stuff and so I get it and that's my resource for like what's going on in jazz so it used to be like three or four years ago you'd open up Jazz Times and you'd see all these new albums and none of them were on streaming and now you open up Jazz Times and if you look at the reviews and they've reviewed you know 15 albums probably Ten or twelve will be on streaming. I bet it's wonderful for me. I mean, and look, the jazz guys weren't selling any records anyway, so they weren't making any money,
1: right? And that's and and, and to be fair, uh, while it's a wonderful consumer experience, it is not a wonderful experience if you are a content creator. In this case, the right. artists. You know, you right. get you make a fraction of of a penny for every time that somebody streams it. A fraction of a penny. Yeah,
2: but I th- I think for you know, for the big artists like Taylor Swift, it's probably fine. And for jazz artists, like I said, you know, jazz artists never, with rare exceptions, never made any money on their recordings. And so maybe it doesn't matter for them. And it's promotion. And I think that they're on there because they know that if they're not on there, they're just They're, they're invisible. invisible,
1: yeah, as, as, as music retail has essentially disappeared. Yeah. Um, Amazon's still, of course, big seller of, of music, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's a streaming world, whether you like it or not. and and it's interesting because uh, you know Apple music is very close to catching up to Spotify in terms of subscriber base here in the states. Yeah, so uh, you know, you have two choices, both good uh, mm-hmm. here in the states, and it's pretty, as a consumer, it's a heck of a value. But it's gonna be the year of media, and we'll see what happens with streaming. Content, streaming television and movie content. I, somehow
2: I just, I'm pretty convinced that I'll be paying more by the end of the year. <laughs> yes, he will.
1: Well, thanks for joining us, Brent. Thanks it's thanks always a pleasure. It is always yeah. so fun. And Micah, she likes the Beatles now, so he'll be back a lot more now, I can guarantee you. That. <laughs> All <laughs> I'll right, be folks, they'll be loud back. All right, thanks for, uh, for hanging with us this segment. We're coming right back after these words. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio from CES 2019. Coming right back.
3: There are many words you could use to describe the new Kia Stinger GT. Stunning, stylish, sporty. The word breathtaking, however, isn't just an adjective. It's a warning. Because while the ability to go zero to 60 in 4.7 seconds might take your breath away, going 60 to zero with powerful Brembo brakes will help you catch it again. The 2018 Kia Stinger GT, fueled by youth. Stinger GT rear wheel drive using launch control with factory equipped 19 inch wheels. Results may vary. Do not attempt, always drive safely.
1: Hey, welcome back, everyone. It is Mike Etchard, It is Pop Tech Radio. It is CES 2019, if you can believe that. It is Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Convention Center. We happen to be ensconced in the South Hall in our media booth, and we were talking to people. And one of the fun things about CES is it is amazing how many different industries you wouldn't think would be here are here. Which is why this gentleman is on the on the on the show. He's Rob Grimes, he's the president and CEO of the IFBTA, which is the International Food and Beverage Technology Association. Okay, Correct. Rob, let's, let's walk me through this. How, what is what is happening in technology for the food and beverage? I'm gonna to guess tons of stuff.
4: Well the, there's always tons of stuff that are yes. happening in technology in the industry. Yes. Um, our trade association is a not-for-profit, and we represent big guys and small guys. Okay. We have chapters, and a lot of our members are actually the small to medium businesses who are very focused on technology in order to compete with the guys that For have efficiency. unlimited funds. Not just efficiency, it's marketing, it's everything else. So, oh. so part of what we're doing here Uh, Very specifically, we come every year to CES, and we look for consumer technologies, and most of the guys we talk to never, ever thought about being in an industry vertical like food and beverage. But if it shows here and it comes out for the consumer, the cost comes down, and it makes it easier for an entrepreneur or somebody in the industry to adopt.
1: Wow. Now, how long have you been coming to CES?
4: That's a great question. (laughs) Uh, I would say probably about 20 years.
1: So what what has excited you this year? What have you seen that's like, oh, my God, okay, that is... That's something I want to be involved with.
4: Oh, you know, this is so funny because that's normally the question I'd ask somebody, right? That's right. I'd say, I... what excites you about what's yes. here, right? Um, I think is I think when I go home, there's going to be certain themes. You know, you walk in the door and you see things like uh, uh, bendable technology on smartphones. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, any kind of flexible display screens are very interesting me because we're starting to see display screens on tables, you know, right in front of the guests sure. where you need to wrap them around columns certainly robotics that are here there's a few companies that are showing robotics that could deliver uh, autonomously so forget about autonomous vehicles right they could deliver autonomously to a table hot and cold food wow uh, no their their way um, so i think those i haven't gotten to the wearables area i'm always fascinated by wearables because of paging uh, technology for servers or um, i always like the eyeglasses because the glasses here are now embedded with wireless uh, they've got the cameras the two way and so for training in particular yeah. uh, you can watch somebody making food and preparing it but give them instruction on site rather than having them look at a menu card or a screen or something
1: wow see and again you know just the average show, you don't think about that stuff but of course you know when you when you say it it makes total sense which was, which is why you're here
4: well well we're here to translate because most of the people that offer these technologies here don't think about it either and yeah. have to and I won't tell them before I interview them what I'm asking them about or where I'm from because you want to see that little light bulb go off in their face where they sit there and say, gee, I never, I mean, there's this guy over here that has, uh, over here, of course, the audience can see what I'm pointing to, right? But he's got robotic suitcases, right? And, and it's over here. There's about three companies here that have it. Well, you know, you have to carry around food and inventory around a restaurant and take other things. Those robotic cases could be used for taking those things to different places and just following the person around. The guy who invented it never thought of that.
1: Of course not. Of course not. Well, and sometimes when you, when you invent technologies, it leads you on a path that you, you, you think you're inventing or coming up with something for a certain specific task. And then you just get sidetracked and suddenly you're you're doing something else you never would have thought of. And that's kind of the beauty of technology. Well, that's and that true. happens for a lot of companies around here.
4: That's true. Well I, I also pay very close attention to the military education mm. and the healthcare industry, unlimited funds, they come up with great ideas. Yes. And then somebody takes those ideas, brings them to CES, it comes out for the consumer, and that's the point where any vertical industry can grab onto it and do something with it.
1: Yes. And I assume you it for all of this stuff you're seeing. The, the the speed with which technology is evolving. It's amazing to me to how how quickly the product development cycle is for this stuff, Whether you, when no matter what industry you're in, and the cost just keeps coming down, how it, you know, again, you're you representing small right. to medium-sized uh, operations, and it's affordable for a lot of these
4: Well, the, the only thing I can tell you is that maybe it's good that I should be walking around here than some of the people that actually operate, who are running their operations right yeah, now, so they, they can are. make it. The problem is, is it's too easy to get caught up on the shiny objects, mm-hmm. and you have to distinguish between the fads and the trends, mm. and so there are a lot of fads here line, that will never actually. make it yes. and they can't afford to spend on a fad so you have to predict the trend that's in order right. to make the right return on investment
1: right that's I'm gonna steal that line if you don't mind
4: <laughs> your Fads welcome versus
1: it. trends that's absolutely it, well, and that's what a lot of people don't realize uh, when, when when they come to a show like this is you know some of these products will never come to market you know
4: that's right so really it's a two-step process so first of all you invest in trends you don't invest in fads right but you identify the technology here then you go look for it to come out in a mainstream technology retailer and once it comes out there, you know that they've done their research and they've identified the trends. That's when you invest.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, Rob Grimes, president and CEO of the International Food and Beverage Technology Association. I am stealing that line. Thank you for that. That's going to be my, You're welcome my to line it. for the rest you of can, the year. You can,
4: you can serve it up the rest of the year. How I about can serve that, serve right? it up. All right. Thanks so much for joining great. us. It's been great speaking All with right, you. All
1: right, folks. We'll see you next time on Pop Tech
3: Radio. The big news from Subaru is the all-new three-row Ascent. It's the biggest SUV from Subaru ever. There's room for seven or eight passengers with a choice of second-row captain's chairs or bench seating. It'll tow up to 5,000 pounds. It has the interior space you need for your whole crew. And it gets you where you want to go with the safety of a Subaru, including standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. The all-new three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. Maximum towing capacity varies by trim level, and trailer brakes may be required. See your retailer for details.